Around my glasses. Aren't you honored? Glad that you're redeemed? Not what we used to be. Praise God. Turn with me to James chapter number 5. You know what? I love worshiping at Main Street Church. I don't care if it is raining. I believe getting up and coming to this place and being a part of a corporate time of worship is well worth your time. I have been so blessed to be among God's people this morning. James chapter number 5. This morning we have been, uh, we will continue to preach a series of sermons that I'm calling a strength for the journey. I get tickled sometimes. I been pastor here for a long, long time now, and I've preached the same sermon every Sunday. And I believe with all my heart that we are children of God. I believe we are in a race. And I believe that because the way we run our race, we can make a difference in a lost and dying world. Hebrews 12:1 says this. Look at me. I'm not even looking at the scriptures. I'm just quoting this. You know why I point that out to you? Because it's important to have the word of God in your heart. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Fifty years ago, there were people that worshipped in this building that's not here today. <laughs> but they're, they're watching, looking over the balcony of heaven. That great cloud of witnesses, they're watching us. And since we are surrounded with such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, every sin that so easily ensnares us. And let us run with patience. Let us run with endurance. See, the Christian life is not a sprint. No, it's a marathon. You've got to have the endurance of a marathon runner. Let us run with patience the race, that agonon, that agony that is set before us. And the way you do that is you keep your eyes on Jesus. You look to Jesus, the author. And the finisher of our faith. The Christian life is impossible. When you were saved and God placed you in the race and you began pressing toward heaven and you were on your way toward the, the finish line, you may have not have known at that moment, but there was going to be times in your life that there's going to be bumps in the road that are impassable. The, the Christian life is impossible. That's why God gave us the Holy Spirit. If you are here this morning and you're going through a storm and you're going through a battle, you're going through a tough time, and you're thinking, I can't do it, I can't hang on, there's no way I can finish the race, let me tell you something. There's all kinds of witnesses looking over the balcony of heaven. Somebody, baby, by the name of Job, who would tell you that, that, that life's not fair, but God is good. And he would tell you to press on. You keep running the race. It's impossible to do it in your own strength. But God has given you the Holy Spirit himself to, to empower you, to cause you to press on. In the kingdom, now remember I'm going to be preaching today to those of us who belong to Jesus Christ. I'm preaching to my brothers and to my sisters. In the kingdom, prayer is the way kingdom resources are accessed for kingdom living. James. This is what I found out about James th this week. Who, uh, we're in James chapter number 5. James had a nickname. His name was Camel Knees. Now not Camel Knees, but Humpback 
camel knees. You know why he, they called him James Camel Knees? Because he had naughty knees. Do you know why he had naughty knees? Because he prayed. He stayed on his knees and he developed calluses on his knees. So much so that I, I guess somebody went around and lifted up his robe and called him James Camel Knees. But listen to this. When you're running your race... You know it's impossible. You need to put that in your mind and in your heart that there's going to come times when you're going to hit the wall. Old Testament Joshua, he looked down, he saw a city. It was called Jericho. That city was too big for him. He could not overcome that obstacle. There's obstacles in your life. You can't overcome them. But prayer is that thing that God has given us that calls us to, to access kingdom resources, to access these kingdom resources that causes us to live in a kingdom way. The child of God will never have a need that our God will not meet. Now, I want to be careful here. Don't say amen. This is what I'm not saying. The Heavenly Father, as a child of God, we will never have a need that our Heavenly Father cannot meet. I'm not saying that. I'm saying this. And I hope you get what I'm saying. As a child of God, as I'm running my race, as I'm doing what God called me to do, there will never be a need in my life that God will not meet. God will meet all my needs according to His riches and glory. God will, God will not, uh, God will meet all of our needs. He will not meet all of our greeds. I'm not into prosperity preaching. I believe that, 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 that God is going to take care of his son. He's going to take care of his daughter as his children. We're going to run the race, and God is going to take care of us. God is the supplier of all our needs. You remember in Luke chapter number 5 a couple weeks ago when I was preaching about when the disciples said to Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. And he prayed that model prayer. And once he had finished the model prayer, he said, there was this man. It was at midnight, and someone come knocking on his door, and this man let him in, and he had nothing to feed the stranger. So he went across the street, and he said, Someone has come to, to my house, and, and I have no bread to put it before them, and I need to borrow from you three loaves. Why did this neighbor go across the street to the other neighbor? Because he knew the neighbor across the street had everything he needed. He had the loaves. This neighbor could supply his needs. God can supply all of our needs according to to his riches and glory. Now listen. Righteousness, the prayers of a righteous person, are powerful. Righteousness is not about what you do. Righteousness is not about what you, uh, how you behave. Righteousness is what you believe. Now I... Lord Jesus, I'm, I'm going to ask for one amen. That's all I just... Something now between now and 12 o'clock. One amen. Listen to this. God will meet all of our needs according to His riches and glory. As a child of God, we're going to run the race. And in James chapter number 5, verse 13, the Bible says this, Is anyone among you sick? Verse 13 says, Anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. I've been preaching about, uh, about the struggles of life. You know what I need? I need to preach a sermon on, 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 on those of us that are cheerful, those of us that are on the mountaintop. We that are on the mountaintop, we need to praise the Lord. 
The Bible says this in verse 14, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses one to another, and pray for one another, that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Now watch what the Bible says. Verse 14. Is any among you sick? That word sick there in verse 14, it's the, 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 in your concordance, it's number 770. And the word means feeble. It means weak. It means impotent. It means unable to stand. In John chapter number 5, do you remember that Jesus went to a place called the pool of Bethesda? And as he went to this pool, the Bible says that there was all kinds of sick and lame people there. And as Jesus went to this pool, and he went to this one particular man, I can just imagine how he passed up a lot of other sick people. Maybe there was a blind guy, maybe there was uh, uh, whatever, but he passed up all these people, and he went to this one man who the Bible says that was, had, had, had been in that condition for 38 years. And Jesus told him to arise and take up his bed and walk. The Bible says that that man was impotent. When you talk about the word sick in verse 14 of James 5, it is a a word that is referring to a serious illness. Not a head cold. This is a serious, serious illness. Is anyone among you sick? Let me ask you a question. Does God heal? Yes. Yes, God does heal. Praise the Lord. You know what? We have all heard stories, and I love these testimonies, about how someone went to the doctor and they, they ran a scan and there was an x-ray and there was this, there was this uh, lump, there was this cancer-looking thing. And this person came back to the church, and we all prayed, and they go back, and they're getting ready to do pre-op stuff, and and they do an x-ray trying to find out, and it's gone. We've all heard those stories. And you know what? My God can do that. There's nothing, absolutely nothing my God cannot do. The human body, if you are a male or a female, you are God's highest form of creation. God has created you in His own image. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that makes up God. The human being has a body, a spirit, and a soul. This human body is so intertwined that the spirit and the soul, the spirit, the mind, the body, they're all intertwined. You can get physically sick, and it'll affect you mentally. You can get mentally sick, it'll affect you spiritually. It'll affect your physical health. That is so intertwined together. Does God heal? Yes. There is no physical, no emotional or mental illness that God cannot heal. God 
can do anything. He is Jehovah Rapha. He is the Lord that heals. And we love those stories. How God miraculously does healings. But you know what? Most often, the healing comes. I'm going to burst some bubbles this morning. But most often, Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals, He heals through medicine. He uses doctors. He uses nurses. He uses a, a physical therapist. I praise the Lord for all you physical therapists. If I'm not taking physical therapy, I love you. But for all you doctors, for all you nurses, for you pharmacists, for every one of you that's in the medical profession, I honor you this morning. Because, yay, hey man, you know what? God is using you to do a great work. I can remember years ago when I was working at Eagle Bee and I was... I climbed to the top of the ladder, the littler ladder, not any career thing, but a, I was at the top of the, and, and, and bless it, Wayne's heart, he's not going to go halfway up the ladder and fall. No, he's going to go as far as he can, and when he gets to the top, I fell approximately 30 feet. I fell straight down. I landed flat on my feet threw me into the ladder, and the ladder knocked me back into a garbage can, knocked, me out, knocked the breath out of me. I finally got up, got myself together, walked out. When I walked out of the plant there, walked outside, there was a whole bunch of people standing there, and there was an ambulance. And I was hurting all over, but deep down in my heart, I thought, why in the world did somebody come help me? But, but I fell, and I came out there, and I walked out, and they put me in the ambulance, and they took me to Oak Ridge Hospital. There's a neck brace on. I'm bleeding here. I'm hurting all over. I'm scared to death. My life is out of control, and there's absolutely nothing I can do about it. I'm in the emergency room. got this big collar on me, and I can remember Joan. And Justin, my brother, coming in there. I was so cold. I was freezing. I could remember my nose running. And I'm stiff as a poker. I can't even do that. You know what happens to you if your nose is running and you can't wipe your nose? It goes, no, it don't go in your lip. It goes in your mouth. <laughs> and I can remember, I can remember laying it, and I, I have never... Never in my life been so scared. And I can remember Justin and Joan. They laid their hands on me and they began to pray. And it was, I, I can remember this sensation. It was like, it was like, as cold as I was, it was like they were pouring a warm bucket of water over me. And it felt so good. They prayed over me, and when they got done praying, I jerked that neck brace off, and I jumped down my... Didn't happen. When they got done praying over me, I laid there, 
Here come the emergency room doctor. Here come Dr. Postman. Here come Dr. Sexton. They x-rayed me. They put me through all kinds of, jumped through all kinds of hoops. Sent me home. I was out of work for eight weeks. I lay in a bed. And Joan, teaching school, she would get dressed every morning and she would come every morning. And I would lay in the bed and she would just lean over me. And I would put my arms around her and she would pick me up. And we would go and she would dump me on the couch. And I would stay there to the end of the day. Praise God for the remote control. Because I couldn't move. This was, and I can remember one morning, Joan came in there. She bent over. I put my arms around her. She picked me up, and every bone in my body popped. And once it, I, I, to, use a, to use a New River term, I was stove up. And when she raised me up there, every, everything went back in place, I guess. And, man, it just felt so good. And all of a sudden, I started to get better. That next Saturday, I went to a football game. And I went over there, and I was at, been out of work for six, seven weeks. I ran into a bunch of people from Eagle Bend, and, oh, he thought you was hurt. Huh? But I, I was doing good. And I could remember Dr. Postman released me. And the saddest words I could believe I could ever remember in my life is Dr. Sexton said to me, I'm going to release you and let you go back to work next Monday. <laughs> I thought, man, in the name of Jesus, would you be okay if I got a second opinion here? Because I don't, I was feeling good. You know what? I believe that my injury was serious. I believe it was debilitating. And I believe the people of God prayed. And I believe God used medicine. He used x-rays. He used Dr. Kurt Sexton. He used, and you know what? I'm healed. Now you listen to this. You listen to this. He's Jehovah Rapha. He's the Lord that heals. I do not believe in faith healing. But I do believe in divine healing. Somebody said, Pastor, do you believe in faith healing? No. Do you believe in divine healing? There is no other kind. I don't care if God uses uses a pill, a shot, penicillin, or a doctor, or a nurse. All that healing comes from God. Does God always heal? Now listen. You've got to remember the context James is preaching. He's writing to believers. This, what you read in James chapter number 5, is not an evangelistic text. This text, this word, is for all of us who are running the race. For all of us who need strength for the journey. This is for people who are running the race and have gotten physically sick that belong to the Lord. You got your context? Now let me ask you a question and don't answer me. Does God always heal? Listen. God always heals the believer. Now listen. When when you go to preacher school, which I've never been to, they will tell you this. Don't ever say always. Don't ever say never. So watch. Watch what I'm saying. God always heals the believer. Sometimes God's divine healing takes place in heaven and sometimes it takes place on earth. You ever heard that song, I'm a winner either way? Sometimes, I, I've known of times when, when, when 
People have laid hands on the sick, and the sick miraculously got better. I have known times when people have laid hands on the sick, and the sick gradually got better. I've known times when people have laid hands on the sick, and the sick went to heaven. Let me tell you something. When they got to heaven, they were healed. They received an ultimate healing. The revelation says it this way. There is, there, in this place called heaven, there's no sickness, no pain, no death. All these things has passed away. You know, and sometimes when I walk into an intensive care room and I'm, there's a person laying there and I believe I'm a child of God, I believe I'm called to pray over people based on His Word, and this person is there sick and they are so close to heaven, you've got to stop and you've got to figure this out. I don't want to pray against God's will. God wants to take this person to heaven and ultimately heal him. I don't want to stand there and pray a prayer that's contrary to that. Let me tell you this. This is so such a blessing to me. If the believer is healed in heaven and not on earth, it is no less a miracle. My daddy, at the age of 43, retired from TVA. At the age of 66, my dad went to heaven. For 23 years old, my dad suffered from a debilitating disease. And he went down, and he physically went down. And when my dad died, he was an invalid. If he ate something, we put it in his mouth. If he took his medicine, we gave it to him. And we prayed, and we anointed him. When daddy got to heaven, he was as slick as a minner. But God chose not to heal him here. But you know what? I'll bet you he can run the best wind sprint ever in heaven today. Because he has received that ultimate healing. If there's any among you sick, that's weak, that's unable to stand, here's a pattern. This is a pattern for healing prayer. Healing prayer pattern. You've gone to the doctor, and the doctor says, you are hurting in your back, and you, you need this uh, MRI. You're caught up in the system. We, can't, we know what's wrong with you, but we can't fix you. Praise the Lord for insurance companies. They, they, we know what's wrong, so what do you do? Or you go to the doctor, and he says that there's something going on here. There's a, there's a cancer, and the doctor says this, there's nothing I can do. Doctors and nurses and medicine, they come to the end of the journey. You may, have, you may be in a place this morning where there's nothing a doctor can do, but God can do all things. And if you're in that position, the Bible says this. Let him call for the elders of the church. We're going to follow the pattern. Say amen. We're going to follow the pattern, and the pattern for the sick person is this. Let him call for the The sick believer is to call for the elders of the church. Now look at me. I'm going to show you what it means, what that Hebrew, what that Greek word call means. This is what it means. If you are sick, maybe sick unto death, and you're a child of God, you are to call for the elders of the church. You don't call the Masons, you don't call the Boy Scouts, you don't call the Democrats, you don't call the Republicans. You call for the church. The most powerful thing in the earth is an anointed, spirit-filled church. 
you're sick and you're going to die. And God says in his word that you should call for the elders, the spiritual leaders of your church. You should call your pastor. You should call your Sunday school teacher. You should call your deacon. You should call someone who has some spiritual wisdom, who is a spiritual person. You should call that person to come pray over you. Now watch what the Bible does not say. If you are sick, go get in a prayer line. If you are sick, dial 1-800-TBN. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says if you're sick, you call for the elders of the church. Now I'm going to tell you something, and you're not going to like it, but everybody loves Wayne. When it comes to prayer chains, I'm not a fan. A lot of people on the prayer chain just want to take their eyes off the young and the restless long enough to find out what's wrong with brother so-and-so. They get the gossip, they hang up, and they never pray. If you've got this type of illness and you're sick, you know what? You, you need to call on somebody can pray. Not a friend of the prayer chain. So if you're on the prayer chain, I'm, I love you. And keep praying. But I normally don't call the prayer chain. I have people that I do call. You call for the elders of the church. You call for the spiritually wise. The prayer of healing is a prayer of presence. If you are sick, you call someone, and that pastor, that elder, that, that spirit wants to come. He wants to be in your presence. You know what? You can pray. We pray for missionaries all the time. We can pray for people all over the world. I can show you a time in the Scripture where Jesus healed a man 20, years, 20 miles down the road. But in this particular instance, let me tell you something. God is a God of pattern. God is a God of organization. He has a way he wants this done. He, he says, you call for, allow them to come to you. You go to them. You go into the presence of the believer. The sick believer goes into the presence of the praying believer. And, and, and the elder, the elder should anoint with oil. Now understand something. When you read this passage in James chapter number 5, the Bible is all about context. And when you study the context of James 5, 13 through 18, the context is not about healing. The context is not about anointing with oil. The context in this passage is prayer. Now, when the sick person calls for the elder, the elder should come and the elder should follow the pattern. He should anoint with oil. And you know what? I've looked at this hard. You know, in my line of work, I spend a lot of time in the presence of sick people. And if God's called me to do something, I need to figure out how to do it His way. I need to anoint. And I've studied and I've looked for it. I've even Googled. How do you anoint someone that is sick? You know what? In the Old Testament, Samuel came to Saul. Samuel came to David. He came to David to anoint him as king. And he took a vial of oil. In the, in the Bible, oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. He took that oil and he poured it over David's head. Now let me tell you something. 
nobody wants me to come in to the intensive care. So I got to figure this out. I take me some, I carry this with me. How do I do it? Do I, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, do I just tap? How do you want? I don't know. There's nothing magical or spiritual about the oil. The oil is a symbol of my faith. Why do you anoint with oil? Because the Bible says to. So when I come to you and I take my little oil bottle here, I anoint you with oil. And then the elder lays hands on the sick. If you were to come up to me this morning and say, Pastor, I'd like for you, I have the flu. I want you to lay hands on me, anoint me with oil, and pray over me. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to anoint you, I'm going to lay my hands on you, and I'm going to pray over you. Somebody said, aren't you afraid you're going to get the flu? No. The Bible doesn't say lay hands on people and get sick. Don't, you don't lay hands on somebody and get the flu. You lay hands on somebody and you pray over the prayer of healing over them. Now watch this. When I go into a, a hospital room and I knock on the door and they say come in, I, I, I got a pattern how I do that. I kind of open the door and I reach over and get that little hand sanitizer. And I like for the family to see me do this right here. I'm in the presence of a sick person and I'm doing what I can to make things healthy. But you know what? I don't, if, that, if I've been called into a sick situation, I'm walking in the power and the anointing of God. Listen, righteousness is not what you do. It's not how you behave. It's what you believe. I believe that I'm an elder of the church. I believe I'm called of God. You've called me, and I walk into this situation. I anoint you. I lay my hands on you, sick believer, and I pray an appropriate prayer over the sick. Come here, John. Let's say this is a sick believer. Let's say she's down in her back, and she's called for her pastor. I will anoint her with oil. Can I put this on you? We grab oil on each other all the time, don't we? <laughs> anoint with oil. Now stay with me. Anoint with oil. She's got a back problem. She's got a chronic. The doctor says that, that, that we, we can't fix this. I anoint with oil. I lay my hands on her. And what do I do? I pray an appropriate prayer. This is what I don't do. Anoint, lay my hands on. Lord, I thank you for Joan. I pray your blessings on her and her family. I pray for uh, all that she goes about in your son's name. I don't pray that way. I anoint her, I lay my hands on her, and I begin my prayer with praise. The pattern. Lord, I thank you for this woman. She is your child. She belongs to you. Nobody loves Joan like you do. 
You loved her so much. What am I doing? I'm praising the Lord for who he is and who she is to him. How she blesses him. How he blesses her. Thank you, Jesus, for that Joan has a personal relationship with you. What are you doing, preacher? I'm praying an appropriate prayer over a sick person. And then when I pray over that person, begin my time with praise I begin to get specific and I may, depending on what it is or where it is, I may touch that spot and I will touch that spot and I'll say this is your child, she belongs to you, she has pulled a muscle she has had a pinched nerve I'm asking in the name of Jesus that you would restore this, you would cause bone not to be on bone, you would cause healing to take place, I pray the heart would be correctly, I pray the lungs would be full of lungs, I pray blood prayer, that's how I, I pray an appropriate prayer I get specific before God thank you When we pray, we need to be specific. When you're praying over the offering, you know what you need to pray over? The offering. Ask the blessing. Ask God to bless this offering. When you're praying over the sick, you need to get as specific with God as you can. And ask God to to do what only He can do. And as I pray this prayer... I know that one of three things is going to happen. I guarantee you. This person will be miraculously healed. This person will be healed over a period of time. Or this person will be healed in heaven. Now, when I pray, and I'm anointing, and I'm laying my hands, and I'm touching that spot, I'm believing in my heart that the, that the healing is going to be instantaneously. I believe it's going to be a miracle. That's the way I pray every time. But when God chooses not to heal that way, I'm not disappointed. Because I know He continues to move. One Sunday night after church, I was very early in my ministry. I got a call to come to Oak Ridge Hospital. Joan went with me. I could tell you this gentleman's name and If you've ever attended school in the Anderson County school system, you would know the name. The family called me. I was very early in my ministry. Joan and I went to the Oak Ridge Hospital. We went to the room. We met the family outside the door. The doctor had told the family that their dad was going to die. Your daddy's not going to make it through the night. When when they said that to me, that just didn't sit well in my spirit. I I, I just, I trust doctors. I trust nurses trust medicine but that just didn't sit well and they asked me if I would pray for him and when I walked into his room and Joan was with me and I laid my hands on that sick person whom I believe was sick unto death I laid my hands on him that same warm spirit came over me in that same hospital different floor laid my hands on this person and I began to pray I prayed over this great man of God. Some reason or another, the Holy Spirit brought to my mind an Old Testament passage. The prophet Isaiah went to King Hezekiah. He told the king, Hezekiah, you're going to die and you shall not live. Isaiah left. Hezekiah turned and he faced the wall and he began to pray. Hezekiah prayed this. He prayed, Lord, remember my walk. And the Bible says, 
before Isaiah got out of the court that the word of the Lord came to him and said the king shall live and the Lord gave him 20 more years I laid my hands on that great man of God and I prayed and I said Lord I want you to remember his walk the medical profession said he's not going to make it through the night at 8 o'clock next morning he sat in the bed and he was eating and God gave him 10 great years and somebody said oh you must have great faith no I have a great God I have a great big God let me tell you something you got the challenge for the child of God is to understand the word of God you have to know who you are is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church, praying over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Verse 16, this is... Confess your trespasses one to another, and pray for one another, that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. The word avail means powerful. It means strength. The prayers of the righteous has power. Are you a child of God? Okay, this is not a hard question, okay? Are you a child of God? Then you have been made righteous. Through Jesus Christ. It's not about what you have done. It's about what He has done. And because you are righteous in the name of Jesus Christ, your power, your prayers are powerful. That means you are just like Elijah, verse number 17. Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours. In other words, Elijah put his robe on just like I put my robe on. And Elijah prayed, and there was three years of no rain, three and a half years of no rain. He prayed again, and the, and the rain came. Listen, because you are a child of God, you have a right to be in His presence. You can expect to come before His throne of grace. You can ex- come there with confidence, with grace and mercy, and you can expect God to move in that situation. That's because you have a great direct line. No. That's because you have a Jehovah Rapha that loves you. And you need to follow the pattern. When physical illness comes, you know, we spend most of our time on Wednesday night praying for the physically sick. We really need to be praying for the spiritually sick. We need to be praying for for, for them that can be healed through Jesus, be saved. As we are praying for these physically sick people, and healing comes to those people, the worst thing we can do is take credit for something that God has done. You should never, ever, ever touch the glory of God. If you're going to go to the hospital and you're going to lay your hands on a sick man and you're going to pray and that man gets healed, 
you need to give honor and glory to the Lord. Now listen. It takes people, but you've got to have some big, you've got to have a lot of guts to get on television and tell people that you can heal them. By the way, let me heal you, and I'll send you one of my books, and for $25 you can have my tapes. Let me tell you something. If you're a child of God, if you're not a child of God, you've got a bigger problem than men sick. If you're a child of God, you call for the elders. You make the elder follow the pattern and then let God do what he needs to do. We're getting ready to enter into a time of invitation. I have my oil. And because I am an elder of the church and because I'm being obedient to the word of God, if you want to come, I'll anoint you and I'll pray over you. And I'm going to expect God to heal you. If you don't want to do that, you can do whatever. If you're here and you want to join our church, this is the time. If you want to be saved, this is the time. But listen, before we stand and before we sing, be, be cognizant of these next 60 seconds. This is a chance for you to respond to the Word of God. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for your Word. We thank you for how it speaks to our heart. May the people that's in the worship center this morning... Respond according to your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Stand with me.